G'day and welcome back to the Talking Leadership Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Today my guest is Heather Hansen. Heather is a global communication consultant, a TEDx speaker, a trainer and an author and she is the founder and head of the Global Speech Academy based in Singapore. I wanted to speak to Heather about the role of communication in leadership and this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And I wanted to continue my discussions around communication in the context of leadership. Thanks for joining me again. And Heather, thanks for joining us on the podcast, mate. Thanks so much, Eric. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Look, thank you for coming along, Heather. Before we get into your area of expertise when it comes to communication, define for me what you believe leadership is. For me, leadership and communication have always been one and the same. And so I'm interested to talk to you about this today because I find it difficult to remove communication from leadership because anything that you want to have happen as a leader, anything you want to inspire others to do, you have to communicate that in some way. So for me, there is no form of leadership whatsoever without the communication that underlies it or underpins it. And I don't know what you, what your response will be to that. Incredibly important. I think we can't get away from communications at every level of leadership. And uh, we, we talked offline about what my areas of research interest are and one of the things that I'm trying to grapple in my own mind and and I'll I'll shoot this back to you as a follow-up question is I have a lot of time for strategic thinking and foresight as key leader capabilities however you could be you could have the best strategic mind in the world and in terms of foresight be able to pick out possible realizable futures but if you can't communicate to your team how to get there why it matters and how we should engage with that future it's not going to go anywhere so I'm totally buying into the idea that it is one and the same now you you say the two are inextricably linked where can you in what circumstances now i won't ask you to name someone obviously can communication catastrophically fail and what does that say about leadership do leaders when they fail to communicate do it in your experience sub uh, subconsciously and not mean to do it or they just don't have the skill sets to communicate well you don't know what you don't know so what what's your perspective there heather Yeah, that's a really great question and a very interesting way of looking at it too. Because I think you're right. I don't think leaders realize when they're failing in their communication. And in fact, I've just recently had a coaching client who has been sent to me by even higher level leadership. He's very, very high, but the person just above him has sent him and it's quite clear that he doesn't see any problems right he doesn't understand why people might react negatively to to his style of communication he feels he communicates just fine he thinks that uh, he's quite clear-cut which he is he tends to be very direct to the point of harshness from the perspective of his team. And so for him, he doesn't really understand why he needs any coaching, doesn't want any coaching. (laughs) So it's one of those sort of uncoachable moments where we've chosen that, no, this is not the right time to continue because he's, he's not on board. And this is very, very common among a lot of very high level leaders that you've been doing and leading and working for so long. And the style you have has worked for you up until this point. And now the world is changing and there are some new demands coming forward. Yet you feel like your your communication has always been great and still is. 
and yet things are starting to unravel. And I think that has to do with changing dynamics in the workplace, changing expectations that people have, a lot of reawakening after the pandemic period. There's there's a lot happening in the world right now, right? But, I, but I'd agree with you that I don't think leaders are purposely trying to hurt their people or be mean or have some other agenda. Uh, most are hardworking. They have a strong strategy and vision. They know where they want to go and take the company, but they aren't connecting well with their people. And that's when the communication is failing. Could be they end up in, in my office. Could be that they end up out of a job uh, because they're having difficulty understanding where those gaps are and then filling them. Given that context that, and I, and I hate the following, but I, I need to pose this to you. Mm-hmm. I've heard it said that comms communications from the leader, sorry, is a soft HR skill set and area that th- these are the soft skills when it comes to communication. And I would, I would posit to you that communication in leadership is probably the most difficult thing because the core element of the leadership process is to deal with other human beings in 99% of cases. So why is it that communications as a subject area for leaders is not considered a critical part of what you do? I mean, you've, you've met leaders and you've, You've probably seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Why do people have this perception of comms in a leader? I'm really not sure. And as you were speaking, it reminded me all the way back to, you know, 20 years ago doing my undergrad, the kids that were studying communications, that was such a blow off major. Like it was the easiest major in the whole university. Oh, they're doing comms, you know, it, it was always like a, a wannabe uh, subject of study. It wasn't even a real thing, you know, <laughs> the way that we looked at it. It was the party or the, the, the fraternity guys or, or a sorority girls. For some reason, we separate communication as if it's some different subject when really it underpins absolutely everything that we're doing. And I came to that realization as well over the past few years because I do a lot of executive coaching and people would call and ask for an executive coach and I would say, well, I don't really do executive coaching, I do communication coaching. And then I started looking into, well, what are all these leadership coaches actually doing? All they were doing was coaching on communication. And I'm going, wait a second, you don't know anything about communication. Like you haven't studied communication. You don't know anything about it. How are you coaching these people in in stronger communication? That's actually what I do. And that's when I realized, you know, really leadership and communication, this is all the, it's all the same thing. This can't be uh, taken apart. And I started really changing the way I was approaching leadership because everything, it's really strategic communication is what we're looking at. Strategic leadership communication. And how do we take that strategy and vision that you were talking about and communicate it in a way that makes an impact, that gets people inspired, that makes them want to follow you. So I'm not sure why or how or when these topics became separate, but they did. And now I think we're all realizing we have to force them back together and do it as quickly as possible. Even HBR just had an article a couple issues ago talking about the top skills they're looking for in CEOs right now. It's not a strategy. It's not vision. It's not finance. It is social skills. Do you know how to get along with people and lead them? Can you communicate with others? Can you get along well with others? Can you deal with difficult people? Can you inspire a team to follow you? And that's what they're looking for now in the CEO. That doesn't sound unreasonable to me. I think one thing that threw a, a, a spanner in the works, and you mentioned it before, and, and I don't like talking about it, but it's it's the elephant in the room, and that's the post-COVID, or as we're coming out mm-hmm. of COVID. I believe that that process helped to 
because of the pressures that came with it and the inability for some leaders to pivot when they needed to pivot not because they couldn't do it they just didn't know how is it demonstrated that there are effective leaders and not so effective leaders and if you were skirting by your leadership process and you didn't have some skills you were caught out through COVID or you're being caught out. And again, I'm not trying to attribute some Machiavellian underhanded thing here to leaders that didn't have those skill sets. It's why weren't they being developed on the come up? And I I think like you, what I'm seeing, and um, I have no research evidence here this is a this is an observation obviously once people get into senior levels of leadership there are assumptions made about their skill sets that they must be a good communicator that they must understand about xyz and that might not necessarily be true and i'll put this to you to get your perspective again offline we were talking about the world of of study and what it means to get in and, and, and get your qualifications. I had a guest on some years ago who talked about science communication and it was her passion. And I asked her, what do universities in general think about degrees and about being able to communicate once you've left? And the answer that she got that drove her to do more science communications was a lot of universities uh, through their their administration and some academics believe that students learn good communication through osmosis when they're at university and I, I don't I don't put a lot of stock in that and I think from your reaction now it's probably not the case but that then speaks to to what degree a university is equipping graduates say in their last year with those human skill sets that you'll need for that first job what to expect and how to interact with other people in the world of work does that resonate for you yeah and i think i think you really you you nailed it there because we do believe that these skills are learned through osmosis we don't teach social skills we don't teach conversational skills we don't teach communication and general relationship building uh, interpersonal skills that's not a subject in school that you get I mean, we don't even teach finance, you know, we don't even teach how to balance a checkbook, you know, so yeah, uh, although, you know, the world really isn't on checkbooks anymore, only only America is still stuck on that. Uh, but but yeah, we, we aren't teaching those skills. And we expect that communication is learned the same way as language, right? Language, we do learn in that way. We grow up and we learn it by osmosis and we hear it and we pick it up and it becomes a part of us over time. Yet we still have English in school, right? But we don't have anything on on the social side, which also leads to our complete lack of understanding of things like neurodiversity and how that impacts communication in the workplace. Different communication styles based on on different neurodiverse ways of being, as well as cross-cultural ways of being and personalities and style. And we have zero training in that. We're thrown out into the world and it's like, figure it out. And so we go through this process of trying to learn as much about ourselves as we can so we can better understand others, or at least that's what I hope people do, because I think it starts there. And and truly strong leaders that I have known, I think are very self-aware and aware of their surroundings. They're good at reading a room. They're good at reading people. They know how to listen. They know how to really watch for reactions, right? And feed off the energy and share their energy. That's what makes for some really amazing communication. You made the point that um, I'm starting to now become more enamored with around your understanding of self and your understanding of your own self-awareness and your own leader practitioner model. How do you practice the art form of leadership and what do you do to be a better leader practitioner to 
enhance your practice. And one of the things that I think terrifies some people or people ignore is seeking feedback on your process. Yeah. So if you're not a great communicator, until somebody points that out, how do you seek feedback on it? And like clients you might have had in the past that have said, well, there's nothing to see here. I'm awesome at, at communicating <laughs> with people. It's either uh, it's the ego that's blocking that from going forward or potentially something else is blocking your vision. And just because you've got a title doesn't make you a good communicator. Just because it's you've right. progressed in an organization doesn't mean you understand how to do sometimes simple things like read a room. I myself probably had a million times where my communications hasn't been great, but people usually don't pull you up on it unless you've done something quite egregiously wrong so give me some sense if you can Heather about how you can check yourself and see whether it is what you're doing around comms it is up to standard yeah wow that's a really great question because what happens in the day-to-day -day, as long as things are running smoothly we make the assumption that our communication must be fine because there's no problem. But it's not like people talk to you after a conversation and say, you know, I think the way you phrased this or that wasn't very effective. <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody's giving you constant feedback. I mean, that's my job, right? To, to go in and give people feedback in that way. But it's not something I do to my friend over coffee. <laughs> and it's not something that I get personally, right? I don't have people turning around to give me that kind of feedback unless I'm asking for it in some structured way. That leads to your question, right? That how can we get it? We obviously have to ask for it. I've met some amazing leaders who, the, the ones who really take communication seriously, make it very clear and transparent that they are working on it. And there's two different kinds of leaders. The ones who want to self-develop, but they keep it kind of secret because they don't want the team to know that they're working with a coach and they don't really want anybody to know. And I'm this secret person that gets snuck in and out of the office. Who knows what people think I'm there for, but you know, I'm, I'm some secret person. And then others go down to reception themselves, personally pick me up, march me through the office, introduce me to everybody. This is my, my communication skills coach. This is my presentation skills coach. This is my strategic leadership communication coach we we meet weekly they announce it all through the office those are the people who are really taking it seriously i tend to go to peers and go i did this this this, and this. i give them the context and i go say right what would you rate me on that and i've had some terribly difficult feedback coming back my no. way that and, and it's like you, I, I now understand that it was given and it's always given in good in uh in, in a good spirit to try and help me understand where it went wrong and mm. I think if you can start unpacking that a little bit, it makes you a better human being as well because if you communicate badly in the work context, it's probably likely that you're taking that stuff home or to your relationships oh, and that's yeah. not it's not necessarily a good thing either. Um, I think there's some crossover. I would like to ask you if I can, Heather, again, because of the, the nature of the work you do and the people that you've trained before, have you met someone the two extremes have you met someone that is so easy to train that you you found it unbelievable that they were open to everything versus the person that is a complete has a complete uh, um four walls around them and does not want to engage at all have you have you had those extremes in your Oh, yeah. Your practice? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thankfully, many more on the extreme side of wanting to be open, transparent, and really dig in and do over and above and get more feedback than I ever asked them to get. And, and that's much, much, much more common. Uh, it's actually quite rare that I get the per 
person who's so closed and can't see the the issue themselves. This stands out to me so much because it's so recent, this one individual. And even their, their supervisor said, does this happen often? I said, this might be the very first one in 15 years. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think if I've ever had another one who was just so closed off about recognizing there could be a problem, right? But, but I typically also am very careful to make sure I meet the people first. You know, there were certain things I did to work with this individual that I that was not correct, right? I didn't do the proper checkup follow-up to say, I need to meet him first. I need to have the conversation with him first before we sign on. It was big boss said, we want this to happen, do it. And I skipped my very important step. So it was a reminder as well of um, how important it is that I have spoken directly with that individual, that I under, that I know they know why they're there uh, and that they are self-motivated. Typically, you shouldn't be in a situation where you're coaching someone who's uncoachable. You should have done your proper checks. Uh, and so so that was my my bad in that situation. But thankfully, yeah, the, people are typically very interested in learning about themselves, very interested in learning about the differences in styles. And, and when they find out, oh, wow, I never thought about the fact that if I said it that way, that maybe someone else would understand it completely differently. You know, just looking at something as simple as direct and indirect communication. I come down and say, hmm, I don't, I don't think the dog's been out today. That means someone get off the couch and take the dog out for a walk it, it doesn't it, it wasn't just some like friendly uh, <laughs> comment I was throwing around the living room that was a command <laughs> and someone who doesn't know my leadership style may not understand that someone who's very direct in their communication might say but you didn't ask me to take the dog out that's what the teenagers then do right they turn yeah. it around and say but you didn't ask me to and it's like yeah but you know exactly what I meant right yeah. and in a work situation you're not a parent so you can't pull that kind of stuff no. you you need to understand what your style is what other styles are and how to best meet in the middle to create understanding. And most people I, I work with are excited to learn about that and, and have a greater, deeper understanding about how that works. So even as you use that example, when you used it, I went, oh, that's a bit passive aggressive. So you're, you're yep. putting it out into the world that uh -huh. this this thing should have been done. Why isn't it done? That's quite a parent, uh -huh. that's quite yep. a parent thing. I've, I've got two boys and I find myself all the time having to use that tactic to try and get them to do something. And sometimes they click and other times you have to be more direct please take the garbage out or please mm -hmm. take the dog out because that is your that's your um that's your chore mm -hmm. that's what, what we've asked you to do in the house and um yeah you cannot apply that style to adults in the workplace and no yeah but people do oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah it, it, it happens and it can create it can create quite a toxic environment if it's not mm picked up soon enough because I think direct being direct but uh, being respectful in that process can easily be done you don't have to shout you don't have to become aggressive it can be you have expectations of people and hopefully it's spelled out when they get into the world of work and it's I think the one of the things and I, I was lucky in some senses my first full-time job was in the public service and, and one of my two sorry if I'm being honest here two of my initial managers instead of trying to paint the world of work is scary they tried to teach me some things as time went along and the first lesson was you need to understand who you need to engage with with the utmost respect in any team you work in in the public service because if if you treat these people wrong you will be out of the loop in terms of communication and that was your admin team the team doing the grunt work on a daily basis to make your life easier because there's nothing 
to say that you for showing a few minutes of kindness every day, understanding how difficult their job is and acting like a human being and not expecting things can go a long way to setting up a, a healthier workplace. And I never forgot that lesson because we all do different jobs and we're all trying to get your organizational business to an end point, but people do different jobs and respond differently to being barked at as opposed to being spoken to. And um, I, I, I would ask you the following, Heather, as, as we're... Uh, still navigating through if if you're a subscriber to the theory that we're undergoing the great resignation at this stage do you believe or do you have any stats that you've you've seen before or read anything that says most people will leave jobs because of bad communications as one of the reasons they go or is comms typically not reasons why people leave a job well you know we typically hear they're leaving because of a bad manager or a situation and i would say that communication is what's underlying that right if the bad manager is typically you feel that they haven't listened to you, that's communication. You feel they haven't directed you properly, that's communication. You feel that they haven't acknowledged you, that's communication. You know, if you start putting down your laundry list of reasons to leave, no matter what they are, it somehow ties back to how that that leader has communicated with you. So, so in my mind, you know, but of course I'm quite biased and my whole world is filtered through this lens of everything is communication, right? But I think it definitely plays a huge role in that. I mean, I, I notice how you hedge around this whole great resignation and uh, great awakening, whatever you want to call it. And, and I think that is, is a good idea because all of these changes we're seeing, uh, I believe these started before the pandemic. We were talking about this before the pandemic. The pandemic put things into focus, but we were already talking about wanting more authenticity in the workplace, wanting more passion, wanting to bring our full selves to work. Uh, diversity and inclusion was already bubbling up. All of that was coming and it was coming pretty fast. And then the pandemic hit, put it into focus, and now we're seeing the effect of that. And I think throughout all of this, what we've learned before the pandemic, and this was put into focus, communication was a nice to have. You know, a lot of businesses tanked during the pandemic. Mine did not. Mine tripled because suddenly communication was required. It was the number one must must have skill and everyone realized that they were not communicating well and they knew it and they weren't looking at it before and then when they were forced because our modes of communications changed so extremely and we went into our little boxes on a screen then they had to focus on it and um, and communication and connection with the team became number one priority to get us through that crisis even though we've ignored it and ignored it and ignored it it finally came into focus and now i think it's something we can't ignore anymore that that leaders understand that no this is a requirement of me as a leader i must work on this and it and they understand the importance now i'm hearing that too uh, from the conversations i've had the last year um with leaders of all different all different industry sectors that yeah the the ability to get a message across um using zoom and teams and not being physically present has been critically important i've heard a few that are pining for the days to get back to workshops and face to face but i think there's been um a change in thinking that you, you need to have a mix of 
different delivery platforms and a workshop doesn't always necessarily have to be face-to-face. There will be some circumstances in some industries where face-to-face workshops and training is an absolute necessity because you can't get away from it. I'm thinking things like nursing, things like um, uh, medical training. You can't do that offline and hope to get good practices. You need to be around people that are more experienced than you, that bring skill sets you don't have, that there needs to be that tangible face-to-face setup. But there are other circumstances in which, no, you don't need to be face-to-face. You can do these kinds of setup. And what I'm hearing is that the, the connectivity between teams in different countries, that's come more into sharper focus yes. because Zoom and Teams are that means and, and other programs, obviously, I would just mm-hmm. use the two most common that come to mind that, yeah, finding that way to communicate um, using the technology we've got. I think that conversation was started well before COVID. I think it brought it into clear focus and, and I'm, no one can convince me otherwise that those that didn't do it well needed people like you to help them to navigate what the hell was going wrong. And, and if people are leaving in part because the communication is bad in the business, then you'd want to be looking at what what kind of professional development do you really need for your senior leaders and even your line managers to get them through uh, the worst of a pandemic or the worst of a natural crisis? It can be anything right now. Um, I think that dealing with change and being a good communicator is critically important, which leads me to ask you, Heather, what's your top three or four or five communication skills that you think leaders need to be working on or should at least be con- be considering to be more effective leaders there's there's quite a laundry list but very very first step is raising that self-awareness being really clear on how you are perceived by others what your own communication style is your natural style and how that can be used positively and negatively that awareness is key along with that for our modern day and age is cultural intelligence knowing how to communicate across cultures and understanding that culture isn't just big c national cultural stereotypes which i think are more damning than anything but more on an individual level that personality and culture are very closely linked that we're members of micro cultures and we filter our perception of the world through through very different filters so that cultural intelligence and how to deal with difference as you mentioned earlier extremely important right now for leadership and that has to do with how you're communicating with these individuals along with that is listening and truly listening understanding the bad habits that we have around listening like jumping to assumptions and making judgment finishing someone's sentence assuming trying to find a solution and instead of just listening <laughs> so learning how how to really be present and listen because I think we all do know how to listen it's more the problem that we don't know how to be present so where our minds are working especially high-level leaders these are smart people you know they're, they're thinking they're making connections they're putting a lot of things together as they listen to someone and they need to remember to stop and just be present in that moment and along with the listening is giving acknowledgement making your people feel that they have been heard that they really have been heard that you understand them them. Uh, I think that is one of the top things people are looking for right now at work. They want to be acknowledged, not for doing a good job or a pat on the back or a gold star. They want to know that they are contributing and that they are being listened to, that they belong and they are accepted. And as a leader, I think that's the number one priority you have is to make people feel that way. And not just feel that way, but that they are that, that they do belong and that um, you do acknowledge them daily 
differently in how they're contributing to the team. So those those are my big ones. You know, then after that, we can talk about how they actually communicate, that they're speaking clearly, that they have simple language, that they uh, are structured in their messaging, you know, all of those harder skills around communication. I feel those are the smallest piece of the puzzle and actually come last. It's really all the other bits about making people feel safe and included and listening and being aware. I consider those communication skills and and that's what we need to be focused on right now as leaders. That's a nice way to round off the discussion, Heather. Look, I, I would love to come back to you and take a deep dive into some other comms issues at a later time if you're up I would love um, for that. the conversation. Yeah. That That's amazing. Thank you. So before we go, Heather, can you do a bit of a plug to what it is you're doing at the moment? Sure. Well, if anyone, you can learn absolutely everything about me and my talks and my books at heatherhanson.com. My corporate training firm is called Global Speech Academy, and we are at Global Speech Academy. Academy.com. And otherwise, LinkedIn, I'm all over the internet. So uh, Google search, you'll find me. <laughs> and I'm happy to connect with anyone who who's interested. No worries. And Heather, I'll put those links in the podcast description as always my way to mm. say thank you for your time. So for those listening, I've been speaking to Heather Hansen. Heather, thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for having me. This has been Talking Leadership. Thank you for following the podcast. As always, a lot more content to come. Thank you for listening and we'll catch everyone on the next podcast.